Hi, guys. On this episode, I'm interviewing Anne Laguza. She's a CEO of Works Consulting. She's an executive leader, knows about human resources, leadership, organizational development, behavior, and how to understand the mindset of an employee and how to build teams. On this episode, we're going to dive deep into what a high performer is versus a low performer, talk about how doctors can build teams, rebrand themselves, talk about the DISC score and how that's a secret weapon for you to understand your own personality and find a complementary team that can help you excel and you have your strengths and then you hire your weaknesses. And finally, some of the several leadership tools that she teaches high executives and CEOs all over the country. You don't want to miss it. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to uplevel their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all my best personal resources as well as Access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Raya, and I'm super pleased to have Anne, uh, one of my good friends, who's the CEO of Works Consulting here. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much. We're super excited about this conversation we're about to have. Guys, uh, I know many of the people listening to the show, they're high performers, they're doctors, they're entrepreneurs, and they do a lot of things. I also have a lot of doctors here who want to potentially pivot out of medicine into many fields. And so today's conversation is going to be about careers. It's going to be about using the, the, the famous DISC score. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about how to rebrand yourself as a doctor and, and, and become sort of more than a doctor. So I'm very excited and pleased to have Anne. So welcome again. And let's get started. So awesome. Anne, how'd you get into this uh, field in the first place? Oh, my gosh. So crazy, but it was 31 years ago, uh, my sort of my second job out of college. I had an opportunity to start as human resources manager. And they were honestly looking for someone who had a college degree who was enthusiastic. Those are the only two requirements. And I did not like the job I was at. So I started interviewing and I got the job. It's kind of unusual in my career to start in management. Normally, human resources people normally start in like an administrative role. Um, so I was really lucky, 150 employees. So I did that. I sort of worked in-house. I worked for different companies for about 10 years. And then 21 years ago, I started my own business. And I started it 
primarily focused on compliance, human resources compliance. I'm located in California. There's a ton of employment laws here. But I quickly, I mean, I really picked this up when I was in-house, but quickly in my business, I realized, you know what, compliance is actually the easy stuff. The challenging part is the leadership. And when leaders are strong and they know what they're doing and they can build awesome teams, all the other stuff just falls into place. So that's kind of how I got that. That's a fast yeah. version of how yeah. I got where I am today. But I definitely learned from so many people along the way. It's been awesome. And uh, yeah, that's that's just an amazing uh, origin story. My, my question really is, I really want to serve my clients here who, who listen to this podcast. Uh, their doctors are entrepreneurs, they're physicians, and they're just uh, high performers. Yeah. Uh, why is leadership a critical skill set that you see lacking in many of the people I just mentioned? Yeah, I know. Why is it lacking? No, I mean, it really, it is something I, what I find is where, however people moved up in their career, if you will, they were really good at what they were doing, like the tasks, and then they got into a leadership role and weren't really prepared for what that entails. There's way more work involved in working with people, obviously getting them to be high achievers and do what you need them to do. And we don't, there's not a whole lot of time spent on sort of cultivating that when you're in a workforce or in, if you're busy getting your education, right. Then you get on, on the other side of education, even though there's a lot of, you know, books out there and things, a lot of people don't actually putting that into practice is so different and it's just a challenge and it's such a common challenge. You know, uh, I've faced, uh, you know, leadership struggles as I tried to launch my multiple companies. I was leading, you know, obviously, you know, you're trying to lead my family. I'm trying to lead myself. I'm leading, you know, uh, the hot, I was, you know, when I was a physician, I was leading uh, my my group. I was, I was part of, uh, you know, uh, hospital practice, all of it. So it requires leadership. What, give me something tangible, give me something real that, our listeners can take away right now of how can they up-level themselves as leaders? So I love that you said that. And I've worked with a lot of physicians and I'm always so, it's so impressive, like how they built their practices and all that. It's just amazing. Like I'm always like, wow. And then they're, the reason I'm there obviously is because there's team dynamics and there's things like that, that often, by the way, I find in the practices I work with get delegated to like an office manager or a practice manager or somebody like that, which I understand why that happens. But then a lot of times that person hasn't been trained on how to manage the team. So the team still has struggles, right? So, so what would be some tangible things that, that could happen to really kind of up level, obviously, um, you know, you know, taking care of your own sort of professional development and self-development, obviously, number one. Um, I think working with coach can be coach can be really, really helpful for you. But I think that like the thing that always comes to mind for me is that people love to feel valued and they want to feel so important. So if you have a team right now or you're thinking about working with a team, you've got to find ways to value people and not necessarily always in the way that you feel valued. Because, because you know, a common thing I hear from like very high performing people is, oh, I don't need a pat on the back. You know, I don't need someone to keep telling me I'm great. And that maybe is true, but most people have like a natural desire to know when they're on track or off track. Um, it's, you don't have to get a pat on the back every five minutes, but you want to know that you're doing the right thing. Um, and let's just say it is true that you don't need any, you don't need any outside feedback at all. You're really self-contained and you drive yourself every single day. Not everybody is driven like that. And I think 
that's something to really think about. How am I going to value my people? And it's beyond pay, you know, health benefits, things like that. Those are important, but to me, those are, those are like, of course, of course, you're going to do those things. What are those maybe, uh, maybe they're non-financial types of ways you're going to value your team. You know, and uh, there's a problem that many people all across the country are facing right now. And it's the problem of attracting good talent mm -hmm. to the workforce, whether like I have friends who own, you know, multiple clinics all over the country. I have people who, you know, who are working in, they're the CMOs of their hospital, uh, yeah. chief medical officers. They, yeah. I have people in, you know, administration, I have people who run like, you know, uh, outpatient clinics and all of that. So everyone's saying the same thing. And, and then obviously the non-medical uh, expertise, like I'm in real estate, for example, and there's a lot of issues there and trying to get good talent. One, how do we find the good talent? And number two, how do we retain the good talent? And by the way, we can't just use more money, right? Yeah. That's not enough. That's not enough because everyone's willing to pay right now. Yes. They're not coming to you just for the money. They're looking for more. And maybe we can uh, talk about that. Yeah. And I just have to say on kind of, we'll get back to the money thing, but is it sustainable, right? To just keep paying more and more and more money. I mean, at some point it's like everybody has a cap. So I first have to just say this, like in all the years I've been doing this, 31 years, this is the most difficult recruiting market I've ever seen, right? In this whole entire time. And it is the most challenging. So it's not that I have like an easy quick fix, but I will say some of the things that we're seeing that and we're helping our clients with and that are working is one, you have to definitely figure out what your differentiator is. What makes you, why do I want to work for you? What's going to make it better? And when I say that, leaders often go straight to, well, we pay good and we offer good health benefits and that's all great. But what are the other things? Like, what is the culture like in your office? I mean, I use this client a lot jokingly. They're very close to the beach and they always talk about being close to the beach and their ads. And it sounds silly, but people are like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's a cool place to work, you know, by the beach over there. It's really cool. Um, we had another client that we interviewed some of their team members, their high performer team members, and we put those quotes in the ad. Like, this is what our employees are saying about working here. Mm, that's um, a cool one. So yeah, that worked out really well. We just had another client. We had them do a lot on social media and that's working really well. So we try to, you've got to get more creative. It can't just be like, well, I don't know. We'll just throw this ad out and, you know, see if somebody applies. You're going to have to take, a, be a lot more creative upfront to figure out how do I even get somebody to stop scrolling and go to my ad, right? Because there's a million things, a million job postings out there on websites. How do I get them to even look at it? And then how do I get them to apply? Now, the other interesting thing you said is like, there's a whole thing now between applying and just even getting them to start, which I, like I said, I haven't seen it this difficult in years. So you get them to apply. You might even get them to say yes to the offer. And we're having more people back out of offers than I've ever seen. Like the day before they're supposed to start, oh, you know, I changed my mind. I, I, I think I'm not going to take this job. And it's like, what? So, so Anne, what, what, what would you say we should do to like help protect against it? I mean, like exactly. spend all this energy, time, money, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, I, I think I got the right person. You know, let's, yeah. let's, let's do it. And then, yeah, it's, it's scary. You got to keep going. Well, you know, one thing I want to say is don't stop recruiting until you actually do get somebody to accept the offer. I see people say, oh, we got, you know, 50 resumes. We're so excited. I'm going to turn off the ad. I'm like, no, 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 no. 50 resumes. I mean, I'll be glad if you want to interview one or two of those people, right? The, the odds are really not great right now. And then now you need to think about the recruiting process is you've got to be really courting the person. I mean, truly like 
all along the way, treating them really well, giving them good feedback, keeping them updated. Don't lose them or keep them hanging because they will just go somewhere else, right? And then once they accept the offer, I always call it from offer to day one. There's a whole process you should put in place and I'll give you some tips. Number one, they, the new hire gets a phone call within 24 hours of accepting the offer from, if it's not the hiring supervisor, it's a high performer on the team. And it should be a phone call, not a text, not an email. Hey, we're so excited. You know, you're coming. I heard you're joining the team. We cannot wait. Like we've already started getting things in motion. We're really looking forward to it. Any questions at this point? No, great. Looking forward to it. Second tip, send them out swag as soon as possible. A mug, a t-shirt. I don't care. Something that they're going to be maybe wearing to the gym. They're going to be the next morning, you know, got their coffee mug out. You already want them to start feeling like you're giving them something. They haven't even done anything yet. And you're giving them something like, we want you to be part of the team, right? I always think about it in terms of like, when you go to buy a car, what's it, what do they want you to do? They want you to get in the car and start driving it around. And you're like, yeah, I look cool, right? So similar, t-shirt, whatever. And it should be, again, meaningful. I mean, a pen is fine, but I would go something a little bigger. They're going to be excited about. And then kind of maybe I'll say like the third tip is figure out how you're going to interact with that person from the offer to the first day, at least once a week, if not twice a week. So swag is great. A card from the team welcoming them can, that can be electronic, but Hey, I'm old school. I love to write it out and have people sign it and then ask them if you can meet them for coffee. Hey, do you have time for coffee? We just want to check in. So, you know, tell you what we're doing here. We can't wait for you. And I love like going to meet them rather than saying, come over to us, say, Hey, we'll, we'll meet you if they're, you know, maybe they're wrapping up somewhere, but we'll meet you on your lunch break, or we'll meet you wherever it's convenient and bring one or two team members. So those are the kinds of things I like to do, like super intense interaction during whatever their notice period is right from offer to day one. It's almost like uh, there's recruitment phase one and then there's like the like recruitment phase two, which is like, all right, now that you've signed it until you, you know, your butt's in the seat, <laughs> let's just yes, keep you, you warm exactly and engaged. It. Right? That's exactly yeah. it. And then there's, I love that. I'm stealing that. Let that be known. I love that. Recruitment <laughs> phase one, recruitment phase two. And yeah. then you're right. And then sort of phase three is when they actually get there and what yeah. that day looks like. Right. And right. that's got to be all about you're super excited that they're there. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article about like, yeah, the first hunt, like, maybe even 60 to 90 days, you're really like touching base with them every day, making yes. sure they're good. Uh, and, and you want them to succeed, right? So you're trying to give them all the tools. Um, so yeah, there's a whole process to it. And in fact, we're starting to do some of that. Like uh, we just hired someone, we gave him an offer letter last week. I already had the you know CEO calling him saying, congratulations, we're super excited. And what I also did was I wanted to make them to feel special. Like, you know, we went through 350, you know, resumes uh, to, and we finally selected you, you know, and so like yeah. we're really excited. And so they're like, "Wow, like really? Okay." So now they feel really special. And then, um, you know, they're not starting for another two weeks, but there's like a very interesting conference that's right up 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 their alley. So we're paying for them to come with us to the conference pre, you know, joining our company. So now they're like super jazzed, and obviously, you know, hopefully they're gonna yes. hit the hit the ground running. Totally, because you're already giving, you have yeah. to highlight what you just said, though. That was really important. When you said, I told them how many resumes we went through. That's a, that's an awesome tip right there. I mean, if you already went, only went through 20, maybe it doesn't sound like that many, but <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, there's a significant number. That's a great way to make somebody. It's that again, see, look, you're already making the feel valued. I already value you. You haven't even done anything for us yet. And we already value you. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So in, in, in my, in my life, uh, you know, 
running medical clinics, uh, entrepreneurial ventures, you know, coaching, consulting, you know, real estate, all these different things. I've realized there are two types of people that we get to work with. They're high performers and low performers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was riveted when you gave this um, topic uh, at, at the mastermind we're at together. And, and can you tell the people here how to identify a maybe low performer and then maybe some of the key characteristics of a high performer and yeah. this is something very tangible that if they write this down they they put this on their on their computer screen or in their office they're not going to hang around with people who don't deserve to be there in their organization absolutely i love that you know it is my favorite topic so i mean some of this let's do a couple of things of the low performers so low performers uh i always say they need a lot of attention but only when they initiate it right so they often cause a lot of drama they they really make things feel chaotic um, they don't usually draw attention to themselves unless they initiate it. And often it is a tactic to kind of keep the leader busy doing other things. Um, they can be literally hard to find during the day, like hard to pinpoint. Like everyone's like, oh, I'm not sure where they went. I think they're over here. I think they're over there. You know, if you're remote, you know, I couldn't get them on Zoom or I couldn't, they weren't, you know, picking up, they didn't text back. And, and they will often have great excuses that sound very realistic, but combined all together, and they might even be real, I should say that, but combined all together, you're like, wow, this person's very hard to find, right? They kind of cause a lot of drama, a lot of issues. They also tend to miss important events or they're late. And that could be like a meeting. Like you said, I want to meet with this person a lot when they're a new hire. Well, they're busy. They were running late. They couldn't make the meeting. So um, they really they it, there's like a lot of energy around low performers and what the interesting thing i want to point out that everyone can definitely uh keep in mind is they can be very likable people like it, i think people imagine this low performer that it's someone no one likes and actually the reason most low performers stay for as long as they do is because they're very well liked they're they can be fun and funny and they can have some characteristics that are really some skills that are really strong and that make them stand out in moments, but not on a consistent basis. And then your high performers are people that are, they're your go-to, right? That's who you count on. You know, they're going to be there for you. They're going to be honest in their feedback, um, but they're also going to do it appropriately. They're not going to try to undermine you or disagree with you at inappropriate moments. If they don't necessarily see eye to eye with what your direction is, they're going to find you, you know, meet with you privately about that and talk to you about that but they're going to be on your team. They're going to carry out what you need them to carry out. They're going to be happy to be there. And they're going to be looking for growth opportunities, um, places where they can um, really utilize their skills. I mean, I bet right now as people are listening, they're like, oh yeah, I know who that person is. The low performance, sometimes people get confused because they can be so great in their skills, right? They can be really strong, let's say medical professionals, but then there's all this other drama that's created so they're not they're not really great all the time it's like people will say things to me like oh but they're really great when they're here or they're really great with the patients but they're not great at you know attending meetings or doing notes or you know follow-up or being reliable and that's when i know we got a low performer issue so and would you would you be comfortable in agreeing with me on this one uh, low performers yeah. always have a butt and sometimes it's a big one and i'm talking about obviously figurative here <laughs> and uh, high performers have, uh, they, there's no, they're, they high perform. That's it. That, there's, it's a period. There's no, there's no like explanation, alibi excuse. It's they perform. And I don't know if you agree with that. What do you think? 
I do. I agree. I like, you know what I was going to say is low performers have a, but high performers have an and. Yes. So I don't agree with you like Vic, that. necessarily on where we're going and I will still support you within the team. Right. So you, that was good. I like that you said low performers have a, but, and then I'm going to add on high performers have an and. <laughs> yeah. But and they'll move forward and they will be there for you. And they, like I said, they might disagree and that's okay. That's not, and they also might have bad days. It's not like your high performer doesn't ever get off track, right. but they are excited about the opportunity to get back on track and for that feedback. And one of the things I found in high performers and is the, the, the concept of extreme ownership. Yeah. Uh, they will do what it takes to right size anything. If there's a, they, they take complete responsibility and, you don't need to beat them up because they'll beat themselves up. And but then not only do, will they stay, they, they do it as as an exercise of okay, how do I improve? How do I mitigate the 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 problem in the future? How does this never happen again? And it's yes. almost like they self coach themselves. So they that's do. What I've noticed. They totally do. I agree with you. Yeah, and we're like when you were uh, saying that, I was thinking in the low performer, right? Like they're blaming somebody else. They often get very resistant to feedback. They almost get uh, make it so difficult. Like every time you try to give them feedback so that you, it's uncomfortable. And then often leaders are like, oh gosh, it was so uncomfortable. I don't want to do that again. Right. I don't want to get in that situation of conflict again. I love that. Yeah. Um, how quickly, and would you say someone can be identified as a high versus a low performer? Like I hire someone to the, you know, this is March, for example. So March 1st, I hire someone. When, when will I know which, which, which side of the, you know, uh, Where they're gonna the fall. divide they fall on. <laughs> I'm going to say six months. I used to say 90 days and you might know faster by the way, but six months is the, the longest you, we probably will What's pick the up shortest? sooner. Um, I would say within the first 90 days, maybe okay. even the first 30, you'll start to see signs like okay. right, right away. Okay. Yeah. Six months would be the longest. And the reason I say six months is only this, because I don't, if it's a training issue, right? Like, so if we didn't do proper training for someone and they're messing up because of that, well, that's a different scenario, right? But start looking for those things like can't come to work, have a lot of issues going on, probably even over disclosing in the office too much about all these things. Um, identifying, it's so funny because low performers actually will really tell you who isn't doing what. But again, it's all a tactic sort of for you to be paying attention to those other people. <laughs> And you're not noticing that they're not doing things. So yeah, I would say, I mean, I think that I know that clients have signs in the first 30 days for sure. And they should make a decision and you should make a decision fast. But the reason I say six months is because sometimes people can take a little longer to to really show their true colors. So one of the things we've been using is when each kind of role we have has a different kind of skill set, and sometimes a personality type can sometimes help with that. Yeah, uh, I've been a big fan of the the DISC profile, D-I-S-C yeah. profile. Can you tell me sort of your thoughts about that profile, and maybe what's the best way for the doctors on this pro on, on the show to f- potentially find business partners, potentially find uh, you know right hands of their companies, or uh, just like uh, different roles for different positions. Yeah. So DISC is, it's a behavioral assessment. It's kind of like, it's one of the things I love about it is, especially there's a variety of companies you can use. I use one particular company and they've done so many studies in it. They actually are able to cross like gender lines, cultural lines, right? So there's no barriers when people are like, oh, but does this apply 
to these, this group of people. So I love that it's gotten so, it, there's so much research behind it. It's a very fast assessment to take. I think it's like 24 questions or something super fast. And the results, people are usually like, how did that even work out that way, right? So, um, and I love it because I'm, I, some assessments really like put you in a box and DISC, or at least the way I facilitate it is really like, hey, this is information. And if something about it doesn't feel right, you don't have to like embrace it and love it. You can sort of say, well, gosh, I don't know if this feels right. Let me check it out with some trusted resources and see if that's our experience too. So I think it's a great, um, so the, the one that I use actually, you can set it up for the jobs. You can design the profile for the job that you're hiring. And then when you do the disc assessment, you can see if it matches the profile, which is kind of cool. Um, and even if you don't do that, it's really easy. If you were to like, if you were to, you have the, you've done the disc. So if you take the disc, it's really easy for me to look at your disc style and then identify who might be a better match for you and who you're going to have challenges with. And they come up in terms of communication, team building, et cetera. Cool. So let's let's dive into this a little bit deeper. I want you to unpack the four different personality profiles. Yeah. Okay. So there's the four are the dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance. And I think depending on which assessment and that's company D I S C guys. Yeah. That's what the disc stands for. Exactly. So, okay, so D dominance, it. influence, steadiness, and compliance. So the dominant style is going to be someone who's really fast action, probably a little more charismatic, um, not really detail oriented at all, um, but they they do impact action and movement and things keep going forward. Um, people can find them really energetic to work around and other people, of course, will not have that experience. And that's why the disc is so valuable. And I should say there's a high intensity and low intensity. And that's very general, obviously, for where we're at. But you are, you would be a high intensity D or a low intensity D, right? And that's, again, sort of general. And you are not just one style. So you're, even if you're a high or low intensity, you're, you've got the D, the I, and the S, the C. So they blend together, right? So as I'm describing, I'm kind of describing them on their own, but then they, there is a blend. The I, the high intensity I is someone who really enjoys interacting with people. That'd be great if you have someone that needs to go out in a sales role, meet a lot of people, interact, go to networking events. You and high I would be great for that. They're super comfortable going out, building relationships. And the other thing I really enjoy about the high I, especially when you come to the D, high I has a good understanding of where people are at within like your practice. They, they're really good at reading people. They're often good at um, uh, managing conflict. So they're a good person to, to get a like a feel, right? Like what's the feel from the group or how are people responding to this change I'm implementing, things like that. They will definitely know that. And then your higher, high intensity S is someone who's going to be a little slower paced, but they are super loyal. And they absolutely, they like, they, they don't love change a lot. So that's a, something to be aware of, right? If you've got a really fast changing practice, if you have a lot of high S's, it's going to feel sluggish, right? Especially if you're a low S, it's going to feel very sluggish and like, why aren't people making changes faster? They will make change, but they don't want to make change for just any reason. So you have to build a little more case for why there's change um, and get them on board with that. But they are so loyal and I'm going to give you a, this is like a, one of my favorite takeaways of the high S that's really important for leaders to know is they will not disclose the stress that they have. 
And the reason that's important is that can sound like a positive, but the reason that's important is if you're just constantly like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. All of a sudden they're like, knock on the door. Hey, I'm quitting. What? Like, I, I'm so stressed out. I can't do it anymore. Why didn't you tell me? That is not their style, right? They're just going to keep taking more work and taking more work and taking more work. So you have to ask open-ended questions of them. You literally have to say like, what's on your plate today? How can I help you? How are you feeling about the workload, right? They're such great team players though. And then your high intensity C is someone who's going to be very data-driven, compliance focused, right? So if you have rules, procedures, right? HIPAA, things like that. That's a great person, right? I had a high C on my team all during this whole COVID thing. And the laws where I'm in California were just changing so much. And I just put her on it, right? I was like, you're in charge of COVID compliance because I'm not a high C at all. You're in charge of COVID compliance. And she loved it. Like every day, you know, something new came out and she's digging in and she's giving me the highlights and here's what we need to tell the clients. And so data-driven, policy-driven, they like, they like things to feel tried and true and tested and analyzed. That's really the high intensity C. That's awesome, guys. That's, and that's a, a beautiful breakdown. And she even talked about the nuances of all these different ones. So if you haven't done the DISC score, it's, it's, it's a really good exercise to do. There's multiple sources for it. Please look out for it and, and figure it out because it's going to help you figure out who you are and who you need to be around to help complement so your styles. So yeah, you awesome. know what I have to say just this morning, it's funny you bring this up because I'm literally doing a disc workshop tomorrow. So just this morning, I was looking at some of the reports and there's somebody on the a team that I'm going to be working with. And I said, oh, now I know why sometimes we have communication problems, me and this person, because someone who's a very high C is very hard for me because I'm a very low C. So I am not afraid to take risks at all. I really don't even care too much about data. Like you can give me the data, but I'm more about do I want to do it or not? And I'll figure it out later. Well, that makes a higher intensity C crazy, right? And when you're a low intensity C like me, a high intensity C feels again, sluggish, slow. They're constantly like, well, I need to look at the data. I'm like, oh, who cares? Let's just do it. Right. <laughs> no, it, it, but it, I need that person too. Exactly. And, and the way I, uh, you know, I was seeing it because we had our whole team do it and it was like, Look, um, I, I'm a high D and I'm also a high I. And what yeah. happens is like we want to keep moving forward. We're people, people. But uh, sometimes there's icebergs in the water and we don't see it. And these SCs are really valuable for us because they make sure we don't, you know, uh, do anything, you know, that's exactly really damaging. And so uh, and but then if we let, leave them up to their devices, they may not move forward enough to even make progress. And so a combination of all of these people on your team is really what's needed. Um, Agreed. Yes. So it's super. It's uh, so good having that balance. Yeah, and yeah you're a, right. A couple of books I'd recommend for our listeners out there. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur or a person and you want to start something, it's usually a team sport. You can't do it yourself. There's usually something called a visionary and integrator, and probably it correlates a lot with the DISC score. So yeah. there's a book called Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. Please pick that up. It's a good one. And, um, um, you know, while we're talking about books, uh, and what is like a book or books that you've given most as a gift and why? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Well, so I do really like this book called it's okay to be the boss. I think they do like a great kind of, I mean, I, I will say there's parts of it. I love parts of it. I'm like on the fence, but I do give that one out quite a bit. And then, um, crucial conversations is probably another one. Yeah. That's um, a great one. Yeah. And then, you know, I love, I mean, this is kind of, but I love mindset is one of my favorite books too. Yeah. 
Yeah, those uh, are some good ones. Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, and all these guys, all this will be in the in the show notes. Um, it's okay to be the boss. Crucial conversations, mindset, and the one I mentioned, which is called Rocket Fuel, guys. I want to read that one. I haven't read it yeah. yet. It's on my list. I just have yeah. to get there. So, uh, and, and I guess a last one, <laughs> I guess, I mean, no, we both love books. And remember, guys, re uh, leaders are readers, right? And it's, uh, you know, People who are really wealthy have big libraries. People who are poor have big TVs. <laughs> so remember that. So that being said, there's a book that I'm reading right now that I really love. And it's by Dan Sullivan, the, the, the founder of Strategic Coach. And it's called Who Not How. And it just reminds me of like, you know, we as go, go, go getters and type A personalities, we think we have to do everything. And that's really a recipe for stress, overwhelm. And, and, um, and we become bottlenecks. In fact, the bottleneck of any company organization or institution is the leader. So we have to learn to get out of our own way. And so the book, who not how really explores that and talks about like, look, you want to get something done, find someone who, who, who can do that. And you just give them the resources and tools and just keep an eye on it. You know, that's yeah. and delegate, delegate and elevate is the oh, strategy. Gosh. So beautiful stuff there. Um, as we wrap up here um, uh, and tell, tell, tell our audience and listeners, you know, maybe one last piece of advice that you'd give them. And then maybe we can talk about where, where they can find you. Okay. Well, that's, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was thinking back about hiring and when you were talking about the different books. And I think that one thing I think everyone should start shifting right now in their hiring is looking at um, there's a, and there's a ton of books on this too, but like hiring more for attitude right? And not so much exact skills or being able to understand if the skills are transferable, right? Because you can train people on most things. I mean, I know not everything, but on most things you can train them. So that's what I want. I, I keep telling my clients, like, let's not be stuck in, like I had a client recently who said they have to have QuickBooks. They have to have QuickBooks, right? They're hiring an accounting person for their practice. And I'm like, QuickBooks is so trainable though. Like if they know other software and they're going to be a great match for your company, you know, don't you want to be a little flexible on that? So try not to get so stuck in, they have to have these skills. Let's see if they're actually a good match for your culture. They're going to be a high performer. They're going to be excited about what you're doing. They're going to want to move things forward. Um, great to your clients or your patients. That's what we should be looking for more. And I am potentially a little partial to that because that's how I got my career started, right? I wouldn't have been where I am today in my career if somebody had said, well, she doesn't have any HR experience, so we can't hire her. They were like, yeah, okay bring her in. We'll train her on everything. And they taught me, you know, how to facilitate workshops, how to manage a human resources department, how to manage people. I mean, they gave me all of this experience very early on in my career. And I'm so thankful. And I think got to especially in this market, that's so tight. It's like, we've got to be a little more flexible. So uh, guys, you, I hope you just heard what Ann said. And, and, you know, I teach about the four A's of hiring attitude, aptitude, appearance, and ambition, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, Anne is really right. I mean, attitude is probably one of the top ones out of those four. So really uh, keep an eye on that one. And where can they find out more about you, Anne? Well, I am on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram, both at my name and Anne Laguza. Uh, I put a ton of content out there on a regular basis. So I would love it if you would follow me there. And um, you can always message me on either one of those platforms if you have additional questions. And then, and your company is the Works Consulting. Yes, the Works and, Consulting. And what do you do for them, for for the clients? So we have we have a whole human resources division, which again is primarily focused on California type compliance things. But you know, we help write job descriptions. We do job analysis. Try to identify, um, uh, you know, how to put get the best people in the right position, recruiting, etc. Which obviously awesome. that goes way outside of California. 
And then the other side is um, where I focus my most of my energy. My team sort of works on the HR side and I focus on leadership development, conducting workshops and uh, individual coaching for new leaders who are really just looking to you know increase their skills. And even if they've been a leader for a while, but they have a new team, absolutely love working with those people. Wow, guys, there it is. It's a, a valuable resource. Uh, look at the show notes, uh, follow Anne Laguza. She has all her information out there and and really be a leader and, and take your team to where they, they, they deserve to be. So with that, guys, we'll wrap up here. And until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.